Jesus is King. Welcome to the One Peter Five podcast. Rebuilding Christendom, restoring Catholic culture and tradition. This is Timothy Flanders. I am the editor-in-chief of One Peter Five. And I'm joined today by my friend, Matt Gaspers. Matt, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well, just trying to keep up with uh, the crazy pace of things the last couple of weeks with the consecration and and all the other church and and civil news going on so it's never a dull moment yes indeed it's it's really been quite a roller coaster up and down in so many different ways uh in this show we are going to provide an analysis of the most recent consecration of russia and but before we get into our topic I wanted to tell everyone to subscribe to Catholic Family News. This is the newspaper that Matt is the managing editor for. And uh, there's so the subscribe link below. Uh, Matt, what's coming in the next uh, next month's issue? Obviously, this sure. analysis. What else? Yeah, so we just uh, got the April paper sent to press. We, had, we requested a slight uh, deadline extension so we could cover the uh, consecration of Russia and Ukraine in this issue. Uh, in addition to that, we also have some great analysis of uh, President Joe Biden's State of the Union address by a, a former, I think his rank was Lieutenant Colonel in the U.S. Army. He's very insightful analysis of the State of the Union address. Also great devotional material. We're getting close to the end of our uh, very lengthy Roman Catechism series where we've gone through chapter by chapter, section by section through the entire Catechism of the Council of Trent, or known as the Roman Catechism. Um, yeah, lots of lots of great content in the the April issue. So definitely don't want to miss out on that. And it'll be it, every month it is made the e edition, which is the full paper in electronic format, is made available to subscribers. Uh, whether you just have an e edition only subscription or e edition plus print delivery. The e-edition is made available on the first uh, of every month, so that'll be coming up in a couple of days. It'll be available. Yes, and one of my favorite features of the paper is the curated uh, selections of the Pope's encyclicals. Yes. Uh, every every month, there's a little section from some Pope's encyclical that's relevant for the this the time or whatever we're dealing with. Right. Which I love that. That's great because there's so many encyclicals that it's you know it's 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 hard to get them all together. But it's great that is yes. little cur curation. Um, so let's get into the topic: consecration of Russia. I wanted what I wanted to do here was I wanted to have a show a few days after, not right away. Right. Just kind of like let it settle. Let's think about it. Let's an and analyze. This is something that CFN does very well. What Matt ba Gaspers does really well with Brian McCall. Um, uh, one other plug, the weekly roundup, weekly news roundup they have on YouTube. Um, so they have a very penetrating analysis, which is sober, insightful, charitable. So that's what I wanted Matt to come and bring on the show today. So thanks so much, Matt. Uh, you wanted to start with a little bit more background on Fatima. You had a few insights as well that people sometimes don't talk about. So give us some of the background of Fatima that we might not know about. Sure. So... As I did in my recent uh, article, you know, basically it's called Consecration of Russia and Ukraine Report and Analysis. It's available on the Catholic Family News website, catholicfamilynews.com. And I try to revisit just some of the basic history of Fatima as a refresher for readers. 
So as I say in the article, in order to properly evaluate the consecration made by Pope Francis, which we'll eventually get to in the show later on, it is necessary to recall the words of Our Lady of Fatima and the specific instructions she gave to Sister Lucia concerning the consecration. So yeah, I'm sure most viewers are probably familiar with the basic history of Fatima on the off chance someone's watching who's not familiar. Uh, as I explained in my article, it is in the second part of the secret of Fatima, secret meaning the three-part message given by Our Lady during her third apparition on July 13, 1917. It's in that, you know, which she entrusted to the children as a secret. She said, don't tell this to anyone uh, until they had permission later on. Lucia had permission in particular. Uh, it is in this part of the, Fa the Fatima message that Our Lady mentions Russia, and I'll just go ahead and read this section. So this is the second part of the secret of Fatima. When you see a, a night illumined by an unknown light, which is a reference to a, an aurora, what scientists called an aurora borealis during the night of January 25th into the 26th of 1938, um, so Our Lady, again, is speaking in 1917, giving prophecies for the 20th century. When you see a night illumined by an unknown light, know that this is the great sign given you by God, that he is about to punish the world for its crimes by means of war, famine, and persecutions of the church and of the Holy Father. And I'll have some more to say about those war, famine, persecutions of the church shortly. So Our Lady continues to prevent this all of those horrible things, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart and the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. That's obviously a reference to the five first Saturdays devotion, which Our Lady uh, returns to Sister Lucia in 19, December 1925 to uh, speak more to that. And there's a link to in my article uh, for further details about the first five Saturdays. <clears throat> So Our Lady continues in 1917, if my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, she will spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the church. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. Various nations will be annihilated. And in the literal sense, I think it's fair to say we have yet to, to see the actual annihilation of nations. Uh, which could still lie ahead of us. In the end, she says, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and she shall be converted, and a period of peace will be granted to the world, end quote. So I suppose the question that everyone is asking at this point, or many people are asking, is did Pope Francis's consecration fulfill those words, that infallible promise of Our Lady? In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and she shall be converted, and a period of peace will be granted to the world. So before I go on to Our Lady's specific instructions, I guess we can just cover very briefly, you know, there are more or less three camps right now that I have discerned anyway. You can add to this if you'd like. Um, you know, there's one camp that basically is saying, you know, they are very confident that the consecration done by Pope Francis last week, Friday, March 25th, year of our Lord, 2022, did accomplish uh, what Our Lady said needed to happen. And therefore that we will see, 
you know, the promised fruits, namely the conversion of Russia, which means conversion to Catholic unity, and a period of peace uh, that will be granted to the world, which corresponds to what many saints and mystics have referred to over the centuries as the age of Mary, the reign of Mary, for example, like St. Louis Marie uh, de Montfort. <clears throat> There's another camp which basically holds that it's absolutely not possible that Pope Francis's consecration uh, fulfilled the request of Our Lady, and therefore we are not going to see these fruits. Uh, and then the third camp, which I guess is the, the wait and see camp, you might say, which I suppose I fall into that one, um, is that, you know, we can, we can hope and pray that this may have been the definitive consecration of Russia, because it is the first time that a pope has ever named Russia explicitly in a consecration ceremony, a public and solemn consecration ceremony. But for various reasons, you know, there are, there are also reasons to have reservations and doubts based on the explicit instructions of Our Lady of Fatima, which I can get into now, unless you wanted to add something. I don't want to, I don't want this to be a monologue. <laughs> no, sure. Well, I mean, there's, um, these are the camps based on that. I think that, I guess there would be, the only other camps would be the, the John Paul II crowd and then the Pius XII crowd. I think that's the well, smallest yeah. one. They, I don't know, they would consider this to be some sort of renewal then if they think the consecration already happened. I'm sure there's various views among them to see what they would think. Right. Um, yeah, it's a good clarification. But I was, I, in any case, I mean, everybody sort of agrees that all of these different attempts did something good. I, I think most people, as far as I know, like Pius XII's actions did something beneficial to World War II. John Paul II's actions did something beneficial to Soviet Russia. Um, can we hopefully, I, I like what you're saying, hope and see. We can hope hope that there is some good that comes out of this, whether or not right. it's the real thing or not, whether or not it's a renewal or whatever. Um, but certainly wait and see. Uh, so, but did you want to get into 1929? Yeah, I think next? that's where okay. I'm heading. That's where yeah, I'm heading ahead. next. So the text that I read just a few moments ago, like I said, was from July 13th, 1917, in which Our Lady said to the three children, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia. So roughly 12 years later, specifically on June 13th, 1929, so the 12th anniversary of Our Lady's second apparition, because as viewers probably know, in Fatima in 1917, she appeared on the 13th day of each month from May to October. There was a little hiccup in August because the children were set, tragically kidnapped by the Freemasonic mayor and held hostage. So that apparition was, uh, was a little different than the others, but um anyway roughly 12 years after 1917 so june 13 1929 our lady returned as promised and announced to lucia who had since entered religious life uh quote the moment has come in which god asks the holy father to make and to order that in union with him and at the same time all the bishops of the world make the consecration of russia to my immaculate heart, promising to convert it because of this day of prayer and worldwide reparation, end quote. Now there has been some, uh, there have been some questions and some controversy over this, whether or not Our Lady herself actually made the, the request or the instruction to give an order. The Pope needs to order the bishops to do this in union with him. 
So I, I include all the reference material in a footnote in my article, it's footnote number five, and I'm drawing from, you know, basically the definitive work on Fatima available in English anyway. It's the um, three volumes set by Frere Michel de la Sante Trinité. Uh, Cardinal Burke, for example, has called this three volume work a monumental work on Fatima. It's, I think it's safe to say it is the definitive work available in English on the subject. So in my note, I explain regarding uh, basically, Sister Lucia wrote down uh, the words of Our Lady from 1929 more than once, and I quote from uh, the account given by sister, uh, written by Sister Lucia in 1930 to her confessor, Father Jose Bernardo Goncalves. Um, sister Lucia noted at a later date that she gave that account. She says, quote, I gave an account of this revelation, what I just read, to the confessor, who was then the Reverend Father Goncalves, a Jesuit, and he, she handed the paper on to him uh, a year after the apparition itself, June 13, 1930. So in 1936, she wrote a more detailed account of the vision and message she received at TUI, uh, once again addressed to Father Goncalves, in which the phrase, quote, and to order that, end quote, is missing from Our Lady's words. And this is the version that ended up in, in the official collection of Sister Lucia's memoirs, which most people are probably more familiar with the memoirs than they are with Frere Michel's work. Um, so that's kind of just a little segue, a little or a little sidebar explaining the difference between those two texts. However, okay. as, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, as I explained uh, last week on Dr. Taylor Marshall's show, and I, I include in a subsequent footnote in this article, uh, the instruction to order all the bishops to participate in the consecration appears in Sister Lucia's 1930 account of Our Lady's words at Tui, 1929. And Lucia also reiterated the need to order the bishops to participate in letters addressed to Father Goncalves, her confessor. And I provide those quotes in there. And then in 1937, Bishop Jose Alves Correria uh, da Silva of Liaria Fatima, who was Lucia's bishop, wrote the same to Pius the Eleventh on Lucia's behalf, again in 1937, talking about um, the need to order, quote, order all the bishops of the Catholic world equally to make a public and solemn act of consecration of Russia. So I think it's safe to say Our Lady's instructions do include that need to, to issue an order. Okay. So we've got the order command um initially in 1929 then it's not in the official memoirs later but it is seems to be in these other sources as well have you correct heard, i've i've also heard matt that the portuguese to order is more like request whereas in english it's order have you heard anything about that i have not but that could very well be the case and you know full disclosure i don't know portuguese i have not i you know i've not seen or read the original Portuguese. And if I did, I wouldn't understand what I was reading anyway, because I don't know Portuguese. So that could very well be the case. I'm I'm relying on the scholarship of Frere Michel and, and his primary sources, you know, the kind of the original Fatima scholars like Father uh, Antonio Maria Martins, Father Joaquin Alonso are some of his primary sources. Okay. But this is going to come up when we talk later about Pope Francis, because it's the question is, did he order it? Did he not order it? Is that required? Is it not required? Um, now, what's significant that you see about the year 1929? 
Yeah, so I think it's really important for people to understand why Our Lady came when she did uh, in the summer of 1929. I was just reviewing some of this material before we uh, we did in preparation for today's show. So in, I think it was the fall or, or winter of uh, 1928, uh, Joseph Stalin, who basically, you know, as I understand it, became the dictator kind of de facto, and it was more formalized later on. But 1928 was a crucial year for him becoming the dictator, more or less, of the Soviet Union. And uh, because Lenin died in January of 1924, and, you know, through a few years of power struggle, he kind of came out on top of the pack. So it was in 1928 that he instituted what's called the first five-year plan, uh, which was meant to replace Lenin's previous new economic policy. <clears throat> and basically, it's the the thrust of it as described. I can just read. This is a great book, by the way, on, on the subject of the church in Russia. It's by a, a historian named J uh, Dennis J. Dunn, who's a professor of history and director of international studies at Texas State University. So his, this book is called The Catholic Church in Russia. And he describes, um, here we go. So this is his section on Stalin in the chapter, Early Cold War, Bolshevik Revolution to World War II. So he says, Stalin organized in 1929, the five-year plan to collectivize agriculture, industrialize the country, uh, industrialize the country quickly and to wipe out religion once and for all. So that's crucial to understand why Our Lady came in 1929, because it's at the very beginning of this um, five-year plan, which included, as Professor Dunn says, the trying to wipe out religion once and for all. He also interestingly notes later in this chapter, quote, in 1929, a constitutional amendment removed from the churches and sects the right of religious propaganda. This was interpreted as demanding that believers practice religion only among themselves without public display. The new Law on Religious Associations of April 8th, 1929, so that's like two months, yeah, two months before Our Lady came, updated and codified all previous laws on religion. In August 1929, so this is just after Our Lady appeared to Lucia a couple months later, Sundays and other holy days were banned as days of worship and treated as regular work days. Priests lost all civil rights. So it was definitely the will of God, the will of heaven, that Pius XI do this consecration because it was during his reign that uh, Our Lady gave the instructions to Sister Lucia and through her confessor and, event, and later on through her bishop communicated those requests and those instructions to Pope Pius XI. Tragically, even though he was a great champion against these horrible things going on in Russia, uh, he did not fulfill the will of heaven, the will of God, and do the consecration. He did lead, as Frere Michel discusses in volume two of his uh, series, The Whole Truth About Fatima, I think it was in March, actually I think it was March 19th, the Feast of St. Joseph in 1930, uh, Pius XI did lead some sort of public ceremony of reparation 
but it did not include the consecration of Russia. And then again, so he was made aware in 1930, didn't do it. Again, he was made aware in 1937 by the Bishop of Liria Fatima on behalf of Sister Lucia. And this is what the Bishop uh, wrote to him at that time. Let me pull up that text. And I have this in the footnote number oh, and six. That, and ahead. before you read that, let me just give further historical background in 1929. Um, oh, I forgot to mention the what was well, going on. I was gonna, just going to mention yeah. the Ukrainians because so, so yes. basically before this time, before even the Soviets, the, the czarist regime had been uh, forcibly converting Catholics, rucification, if you will. Right. Uh, in 1905, there was a relaxation under the czars, 1905. So, and then 250,000 Catholics left Orthodoxy, the Russian Orthodox regime, to re return to their roots as Ukrainian Catholics or others. Yes. But after the Soviets <laughs> took over, the Soviets then, uh, Ukraine was initially an independent country. At the time of Fatima Havid in 1917, modern day Ukraine was half a part of Austro-Hungarian Empire, which right. under Blessed Carl, who's right, uh, right. right here. Um, yes. And then uh, ha the other, I think a larger portion actually was under the Russian Empire. But there was a short portion of Ukrainian independence, but then the Soviets took over again and they continued the forced conversions of Ukrainian Catholics to Russian Orthodoxy. And it wasn't even it wasn't even Orthodoxy. It was like a Soviet front church like they have in right, China right. today. Yeah. Um, but then they're like right after 1929, so Stalin takes over and then we have the Holodomir, which is a the forced yes. starvation of uh, perhaps up to 10 million Ukrainians. Yes, so because is, they refused to go along yeah. with his five-year plan, they didn't want to become communists. They wanted, to, so they were resisting, and that was the punishment, basically. Right. So they were starved to death. This brutal, brutal killing of the Ukrainian people, which is still in living memory of you know people in Ukraine today fighting the Absolutely. Russians. You know their grandfather. Because this happened what in like 1932, yeah, 1932, 1933. 1933. Yeah. So this is the This is the Stalinist regime against the Ukrainians now. What's also interesting at the same time, when we talk about Russia and then Russia spreading her errors, then we have the rest Western Marxism, Masonic conspiracy, all sorts of things happening. What's interesting is that right at um, on the 7th of June, 1929, is when the Vatican, Pius XI, signs the Lateran Treaty with yes. the Kingdom of Italy, which they cede the, the current Vatican City, which is a tiny little park basically compared to yep. the entire uh papal states that were that were forced takenly taken over in 1870 yep. uh so it's this little tiny blip on the on the map of of the what the pope formerly had so it's right. just the tiniest little concession uh it's just a total injustice but um it was signed it was controversial people still debate about it today as to if that was the right move or not we're not going to debate that but it right. happens on June 7, and then June 13, not a week goes by, and then Our Lady comes as well. Yes. So uh, there's probably some connections we could speculate about, but it's beyond the scope of this show. But the point is, there is Russia, and there's also Russia's errors that are sp spreading throughout the world at the same yes. time. Uh, but then you said 1936, Pius XI is warned again. But 1937. And I just yes. want to stress to the audience so that they understand. So if Pius XI who was informed of Our Lady's request sometime, uh, I think Frere Michelle says in the realm of, here, let me look this up real quick here. So according to Frere Michelle in volume two of The Whole Truth About Fatima, he says, as subsequent events will show, 
Pius XI was surely informed about Heaven's requests between July of 1930 and August of 1931. And he provides quotes explaining why that is the case. Uh, so in 19, so if he would have done the consecration, then there wouldn't have been number one, a second world war. Our lady promised that that would have been averted. And also there would have been no Soviet, you know, there would have been no spreading of Russia's heirs. There wouldn't have been the Holodomor, the, the great famine, the forced starvation of all of those poor Ukrainian people. So a lot of, of temporal and spiritual damage carnage really would have been averted had he done the consecration when he was supposed to now here's here's a question matt it, because the other the other requirement is is the reparation of first friday or first saturdays now was that reparation of first saturdays is that was that requested back in 1917 or was that requested in 1929 as well just that other piece for the laity to do right so that actually occurred uh, our lady came to Lucia along with the child Jesus in 1925. I'm just going to pull up the. Oh, okay. So the first reference. Saturdays comes in in the 1920s. Right. But it's read okay. all, as you will see in, in uh, the Bishop of Fatima's a letter to Pius XI, he does bring this up and it does tie into the consecration kind mm -hmm. of uh, as an appendage, you might say, or appendix. Okay. So here's, let me read that 1937 text, the letter of. And this, I quote this uh, in my uh, new article available at uh, CatholicFamilyNews.com called That's "Consecration Below." By the yeah, way, yeah. Consecration of Russia and Ukraine report and analysis. So, footnote number six, I explain. Um, let's see here. In 1937, Bishop Jose Alves Correria de Silva of Liaria Fatima, who was Lucia's bishop, wrote to Pope Pius XI on Lucia's behalf, quote, this religious asks me to communicate to your holiness that according to a revelation from heaven, the good Lord promises to end the persecution in Russia, all of those things we just talked about, the five, uh, the first five-year plan, the Holodomir, all of that stuff. If your holiness deigns to make and order all the bishops of the Catholic world equally to make, a public and solemn act of consecration of Russia to the most holy hearts of Jesus and Mary. And the quote goes on, hang on just a second, uh, and also deigns to approve and recommend the practice of the reparatory devotion, meaning the five first Saturdays. And Sister Lucia herself uh, said the same Else, which uh, Frere Michelle quotes elsewhere, talking about. Let's see if I can. Here we go. So this is what Sister Lucia wrote to her confessor, Father Goncalves, uh, way back in nineteen, in the summer of nineteen thirty. I think June of nineteen thirty. She said, "Quote regarding Russia, if I am not mistaken, our good Lord promises to put an end to the persecution in Russia." So you can hear the Bishop of Fatima is basically quoting her. If the Holy Father himself deigns to make and orders the bishops of the Catholic world to equally make a solemn and public act of reparation and consecration of Russia to the sacred hearts of Jesus and Mary, and if his holiness promises at the end of this persecution to approve and recommend the practice of the reparatory devotion indicated above. In this letter, she also described in detail 
the practice of the five first Saturdays and what the, the faithful need to do for that. And there's never really, there's never been an official approval of that under any popes. Am I right? Yeah, there's never, to my knowledge, there's never been a, like a formal promulgation of the okay. devotion and an encouragement, you know, a summons or an exhortation to the faithful to, to complete this devotion hmm. as an act of reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So that also needs to happen at some point. Interesting. So, um, because I, I was talking with Michael Hitchborn about this and he thought that perhaps what went wrong, because we can we can blame these various popes for failing to do what Our Lady requested, but he thought maybe, on the other hand, we could also say maybe the laity were not doing enough for Saturdays to merit graces for the pope to do that, perhaps. I don't know. But uh, we know at least... For, that, yeah, go ahead. I mean, at least for... Maybe that could be the case, I suppose, for you know, John Paul II's consecrations in the 80s, but the, there's no way that the Catholic world even knew about the five first Saturdays in 1930 when, mm, uh, when Sister okay. Lucia was writing that and when when Pius XI was made aware of the request for the consecration of Russia, that it wasn't widely, nearly widely known at all okay. then. So yeah, maybe for the, maybe in the 1980s, you could argue that, but certainly not in 1930. Okay, all right. Uh, well, take us to the, present day and uh the present right. day controversies Go so ahead. just to kind of recap our ladies instructions as i do in my article so there are several specific conditions which i try to outline in the article so number one it must be the pope who publicly performs the consecration of russia to the immaculate heart of mary hence he must number two name russia explicitly as the object of consecration so looking at the pope's uh, Pope Francis's recent consecration. Let me pull up that text here. So this is what um, Pope Francis said on March 25th, 2022, in his act of consecration, quote, Therefore, Mother of God and our Mother, to your Immaculate Heart, we solemnly entrust and consecrate. So he did use the, the crucial operative word, consecrate, ourselves, the church and all humanity, especially Russia and Ukraine. Accept this act that we carry out with confidence and love, grant that war may end and peace spread throughout the world. So that's towards the end of the act of consecration. It's kind of the crucial part of the text. <clears throat> and uh, regarding those words, as 1 Peter 5 published a couple days before, uh, Pope Francis uttered those words in Rome, Bishop Athanasius Schneider did observe, quote, in comparison with the wording of the two previous acts of consecration made by Pope Pius XII, the one from 1952, and by Pope John Paul II in 1984, the words and form of the consecration that will be used by Pope Francis on Mar March 25th more clearly express the requests of Our Lady of Fatima. Pope Francis, he goes on to observe, has even added the word solemnly to consecrate, an expression lacking in the formulas of 1952 and 1984. So that's uh, Bishop Schneider's take on uh, the, the 2022 act of consecration words. Um, so going back to the, yes, and oh, thank you for displaying that on the screen. So we have number three, the Pope 
must order all the bishops of the world to make the consecration of Russia to Our Lady's Immaculate Heart in union with him and at the same time. So looking back at what Pope Francis actually did, he, as we all know, he issued a request <clears throat> uh, in a letter dated March 21st uh, and addressed to the bishops of the world. He said, quote, I ask you to join in this act by inviting the priests, religious, and faithful to assemble in their churches and places of prayer on March 25th so that God's holy people may raise a heartfelt and choral plea to Mary, our mother. I am sending you the text of the prayer of consecration so that all of us can recite it throughout that day in fraternal union. <clears throat> so was that good enough? I mean, that, that is the question. And here we get back to the, the issue of uh, in the Portuguese, if the word to order means more of a, a request, or it, does it mean like a juridical command? And I don't know the answer to that because I don't know Portuguese. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add on that, Timothy. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's certainly a, I mean, if you want to be really specific, you'd have to really say it in Latin as to like, what kind of order are you talking about? Is it, is it this sort of request? It would be really nice if you did it, but you can't, you know, it's like, we invite you uh it's i think it's it's it is clear that there is some ambiguity uh this is what bishop schneider did say he said uh our lady did not give a formula she gave specific things that needed to be included right and then she gave she basically left it up to the church as to how to actually include those in, in precisely um so can we just go through these five requirements that you pointed out and we can kind of look at what are the various viewpoints out there um, for these different five factors? Um, sure. So number one, you say that the Pope has to publicly perform the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Which obviously that, I mean, as far as I can tell, based on the text that I quoted from the act of consecration, that that condition has been fulfilled. Okay. Because so number, Pope, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So unless you're a, you doubt that Pope Francis is the Pope, it, you would probably have to all agree that number one has been fulfilled. It was a public consecration of Russia um, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary right there. You just read the formula that he read. We Multiple sources all confirmed. There's a video of him saying it. So we know right. he, it was exactly right. what there was. He also sent it in dozens of languages across the world. So right. we know that this was the text uh, the key text. So number one is pretty much a slam dunk. We've got that one. Okay. Uh, yes. So number two, he must name Russia explicitly as the object of consecration. So now we get into a little ambiguity because he names, um, we entrust ourselves, we consecrate ourselves, the church, humanity. Uh, what, what Was that it? Ourselves, Sorry, the church, yeah, humanity, well, and then name all, the... everybody who was consecrated, name them all. Okay. So here's exactly what he said. Uh, to your immaculate heart, we solemnly entrust and consecrate ourselves. So presumably that means the Pope and all everyone present in Rome. I don't know. That's a little ambiguous. Consecrate ourselves, the church, and all humanity, which is essentially what Pius XII did in 1942 in his consecration of the world, the church and all humanity. And then Pope Francis says, especially Russia and Ukraine. So we've got ourselves, the church all humanity, especially Russia and Ukraine. 
So there's not one single object of consecration. There are multiple objects of consecration. So the question is, so obviously Russia is named explicitly, but the question is, can you consecrate Russia and then also consecrate other things as well? Does that still count as consecrating Russia? What What are your, right. what? I, I guess, what are the viewpoints out there, Matt? And and what would you say? Um, well, as far the camp who holds that this, this act of consecration of Francis did certainly did not fulfill what Our Lady requested, a lot of it does hinge on the fact that Russia is not the sole object of consecration. And they point out things, for example, like um, when a child is baptized or, or an adult, any, when anyone is baptized, they're baptized as an individual because the whole notion of consecration is to set one individual thing aside uh, to the service of God, to consecrate it to God, make it holy for God's service. Uh, so that's their argument, as I understand it, is that that's the whole reason, you know, Russia is meant to be set aside, kind of, you know, the uh, the best analogy I've ever thought I've ever had come to mind, and I'm sure others have had this as well, is St. Paul in the Acts of the Apostles. I think it's chapter 13, when they're praying together and, and the, the Holy Ghost says to this group of men praying together, set aside, I forget the exact wording, Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them, something yes. like that. So that's that's kind of an example of what a consecration is. It's a setting aside of a person or, or a thing for a very particular purpose in God's providence in his plan. And we so that's what he wants to do with Russia. He wants to use Russia after using it for so many decades as an instrument of chastisement. Russia in God's providence is destined, is is elected to be an uh, a vessel of election just like saint paul for the good of the nations to convert souls to christ and his one true church so that's as i understand it the basis of the argument that this consecration of francis did not fulfill our lady's request because it doesn't single out russia as the sole object of consecration so so what are your thoughts on that? You you mentioned before we went on air that you see some parallels with the Pius XII action. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so that's a very interesting uh, subject I was just reviewing this morning before we started. So uh, CFN, here's another good reason to subscribe to CFN. We have a, a resident Fatima expert, you might say. She's a longtime contributor. Uh, her name is Mariana Bartold, and she's the author of a book on... Uh, the message of Fatima, Fatima, the signs and secrets. It's a very excellent book available on uh, Amazon and also a hardcover copy as well. <coughs> Excuse me. So in uh, she wrote a seven part series for us last year. It ran from April to October 2021 in, in our newspaper. And it's called Defending the Truth of Our Lady of Fatima, trying to set the record straight um, uh, pose, you know, it's kind of a, an answer to some of the theories that Pius XII, and I think you've discussed this on your channel, the meaning of Catholic, Yes, uh, that the argument that Pius XII, his 1952 consecration, I think it was, fulfilled what Our Lady wanted. So she wrote this in response to that thesis. Mm. And she explains in uh, part, let's see, I've got this pulled up here. So in part one, she covered the no, I guess it was in part, I think it was in part two, actually. Yeah, in part two, she covered the consecration of 
Pius XI, um, which he, or excuse me, Pope Pius XII, uh, which he did on October 31st, 1942. And let me pull this up here. Okay, so how, let me just give the background as to how that consecration came about. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, um, Lucia's confessors, two Jesuit priests, as well as the Bishop of Liria Fatima, petitioned via letters Pius XI to do the consecration. They did that in 1930 and again in 1937, and they were adamant about the consecration specifically of Russia. So when Pius XI died in 1939 and Pius XII, his, his former Secretary of State, ascended the throne of Peter, they decided that it might be prudent to alter the request slightly. So this is what Mariana explains in part two of her series, Defending the Truth of Our Lady of Fatima. Um, let's see here. Okay, so this is September, October, 1940. Having conferred together, this is Mariana Bartold's article, having conferred together both Manuel Ferreira, Bishop of Gerza, who personally knew Pius XII, and he was, a, I think, a friend of the two priests involved and also the Bishop of Fatima, and Father Goncalves, uh, they agreed upon a different approach with the new Pope, referring to Pius XII. Individually, so both this Bishop of Gerza, who was a personal friend of Pius XII, as well as Father Goncalves, her confessor, they both ordered Sister Lucia to personally write the Holy Father and alter Our Lady's specific 1929 request by asking for a world consecration with a special mention of Russia, because they believed that this request would be more easily obtained. So, our, you know, at first, Sister Lucia wasn't quite sure about this because she knew that that wasn't exactly what Our Lady had requested. But she explains, and for Michelle quotes in uh, volume two of The Whole Truth About Fatima, he says, or he quotes Sister Lucia saying, you know, she prayed about it on October 22nd, 1940, for a couple of hours, you know, on her knees in Eucharistic adoration. And this is what our Lord communicated to her on October 22nd, 1940. Quote, the tribulation will continue and augment, referring to World War II. I will punish the nations for their crimes by war, famine, and persecution of my church, and this will weigh uh, especially upon my vicar on earth, obviously the Pope. Our Lord goes on. His holiness will obtain an abbreviation of these days of tribulation if he takes heed of my wishes by promulgating the act of consecration of the whole world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary with a special mention of Russia, end quote. So our Lord seems to confirm, you know, it's not exactly what Our Lady requested, but he says he will... Uh, abbreviate those days of tribulation if the Pope will at least do this consecration of the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary with a special mention of Russia. Now, as we know, in his text of uh, October 31st, 1942, that was during a radio broadcast, I believe specifically to the Portuguese people, that Pius Twelfth did his consecration without the involvement of the world's bishops, just him. Uh, he did not make an explicit mention of Russia. He made a clear allusion to them, but he didn't explicitly say Russia. Uh, 
So, um, in her in uh, her letter to Pius the Twelfth in nineteen, which she wrote down in nineteen forty, Sister Lucia reiterated what she was told to do by her superiors, and which our Lord seemed to confirm was acceptable to him, at least in some manner. The act of consecration of the whole world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, with a special mention of Russia, so that was passed on to Pius the Twelfth. He chose not to mention Russia, but he still did the consecration of the world. And this is what Lucia wrote uh, to the Bishop of Gerza, who had encouraged her to alter her uh, request by saying, "You know, do the whole world plus Russia." She she wrote to him in February of 1943. Quote. The good Lord has already shown me his contentment with the act, meaning Pius XII's 1942 consecration. She goes on, although incomplete according to his desire, performed by the Holy Father and several bishops. So apparently some bishops did join in the act. But Lucia goes on to say, quote, he promises in return to end the war soon. The conversion of Russia is not for now, end quote. So as a result of that 1942 consecration, which Mariana Bartold explains in her article, was the, the radio consecration done by radio broadcast uh, in 1942. She says the terrible war did not cease until the end of 1945, kind of giving some perspective on all that still happened because of the disobedience, you know, on the part of, of the Pope basically didn't do the consecration as he was supposed to. So the war went on for three more years with more millions dead and a total of two successive atomic bombs, Mariana observes, dropped on two Japanese civilian cities. And she also she ends by saying one will note also that Lucia said that Russia's conversion would not take place, which meant that neither would occur the promised era of peace. So I see some personally, I see some parallels between what what. Uh, Pope Francis has just done last Friday and this 1942 consecration of the world, which was supposed to include a specific mention of Russia. Because if we look back at the text of the consecration, that's essentially what uh, what Francis did last Friday. He, he said, quote, to your immaculate heart, we solemnly entrust and consecrate ourselves, the church and all humanity, which is exactly almost uh, quoting the 1942 formula and then he goes on to say especially russia and ukraine so it's there's that special mention of russia so i don't know what your thoughts are about the parallels between the 42 consecration and the one that francis did yeah i mean it's not i think that the um ultimately like you said, I think wait and see is is to a great degree very prudent because we don't really have certainty exactly. But it does appear, like you said, that our Lord did did sort of put place this on the table in 1940. I think it was. Yes, he placed it on the table and said this would fulfill the request, even though it's slightly different. Consecration of the world, special mention of Russia. Well, so, and I don't even know yeah. if I, I just wanted to getting back to what he actually said. I'm not sure if he, I think he was kind of willing to accept a compromise to kind of bring World War II to an end sooner than it would have been. But I don't think he was saying that this would, you know, the act of consecration of the world with a special mention of Russia would necessarily 
bring the triumph of Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. Let me mm, read okay. the. Let me read what he said again, real quick here. So this is what our Lord told Sister Lucia on October twenty second, nineteen forty. Quote: uh, The tribulation will continue and augment. I will punish the nations for their crimes by war, famine, and persecution of my church, and this will weigh uh, especially upon my vicar on earth. His Holiness will obtain an abbreviation of these days of tribulation if he takes heed of my wishes by promulgating the act of consecration of the whole world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary with a special mention of Russia. So, end quote. So I suppose it could be argued if Pius XII would have explicitly mentioned Russia at that time, maybe that would have fulfilled the request. I, that's we, we've got uh dr edmund maza my friend in the chat he says our lord's 1940 words were to end the war not convert russia matt is right that's so, kind of what i was thinking yeah okay well let's go back to um let's go back to this uh, okay so so okay so there's some controversy about number two maybe maybe not um as you said there's there's an argument to be made on the one hand um that Russia yeah. is not the single object right. of consecration. But obviously we all agree Russia is explicitly named in the yes. formula. So it's, there's kind of, uh, there's arguments on both sides of that, but uh, okay. So number three is the Pope must order all the bishops of the world to make the consecration of Russia or immaculate heart. So we went into that already a little bit. Is, did he yes. really order it? Did he request it? Is the request, is the request from heaven exactly like a juridical order? Any further points about number three do you think matt well I'd, I'd just point folks to my article consecration of russia and ukraine report and analysis so here's what i say in that regard um we know that he did not order in the juridical sense but only invited all the bishops of the world to participate but he did also make um his will pretty clear that he he intended for this to be an what he said in his letter to bishops quote, a gesture of the universal church. And he also encouraged all bishops to invite, as I said, the priests, religious and faithful to assemble in their churches and places of prayer on 25 March so that God's holy people may raise a heartfelt and choral plea to Mary, our mother. So it seems clear that the intention of Francis was that this be an international, you know, worldwide day of prayer, um, and, and and reparation to some degree. I think the, on a personal note, I would I think that his text of the act of consecration was a little light on references to making reparation for sin. And, you know, as Our Lady said during her final apparition of Fatima, when when Lucia asked, is there any um, anything else you want to communicate to us? Our Lady said, you know, tell them, do not offend our Lord anymore. He is already much too offended. And I think the the act of consecration could have had more uh, attention to that detail, that this really is about making reparation to God and to Our Lady, not only about bringing about a temporal peace between Russia and Ukraine. So Right. Yeah. And I, I want to get into that with number five, too. Uh, here's, here's one comment from David. He says, I thank you for the attention you will give this request and your ready cooperation, end quote. Sounds like an order to me. Um, he says that was the language in the letter Pope Francis sent to the bishops requesting their participation in the consecration. Yes, so, I, yeah. right. 
So, I mean, there's kind of an argument that like, well, he is the Pope. So if he requests something, it's kind of like an order, even if he doesn't say it's kind of like, right. It's kind of like boss, when he says, yeah. it's kind of like when he says my brother bishops and that type of thing. Like, obviously he is the Pope. He's the Holy Father. So, you know, he's sort of speaking. It's a nice way of issuing yeah. an order. I guess right. So that, that could be, I certainly, we could make an argument on that side too. But on the other hand, I know, um, I think Father Gruner, rest in peace, had said this perhaps where he he made the idea that hey you could you could issue an order that if you don't do it you're you're excommunicated let's say exactly that would be yes. certainly a very strong order on the other <laughs> hand as well yes so yes yeah. and if i could show a book on the screen real quick yeah, just kind of uh doing a little plug for father gruner and the and the fatima um fatima center which he ran for so many years this is a really good novel but it's like it's historical fiction because it's based basically on the message that father Gruner and the Fatima center have uh, worked so hard for so many years to propagate. So it's called Russian sunrise, a novel of faith and hope. And it's actually available in full as a PDF on the Fatima center's website. If you Google Fatima center, Russian sunrise, you'll get the link to the full book. And it's just kind of a, it's a look at, uh, you know, what has been and what could be it's it's a pretty good read so. sounds good yeah, yeah. um that, that that sounds like a great uh, a great text a great uh, novel um so we've got number okay so we discussed three we we kind of discussed four i mean is there any controversy with four i know you could say in union with him then there's the question of how many bishops have to participate to for it to be in union with him right and i so how I address that in my recent article, I say, um, you know, we know that he didn't issue formally, you know, a juridical order, but it, obviously he wanted all the bishops to participate with that quote that the gentleman uh, reminded us of. So I say in my article, while many of them did respond, excuse me, to his request, we do not yet know if a large majority of Catholic bishops, in other words, a number approaching moral unanimity, doesn't necessarily have to be numerical, um, every, literally every bishop, because there could be um, excusing circumstances for some of them. But ultimately, we don't yet know if a large majority of Catholic bishops participated in what Our Lady specified must be a collegial act. And that's, that's the crucial point. It does need to be a large majority. Our Lady said, in union with all the bishops of the world. Mm -hmm. I also observe in my article, since the Pope did not initiate a system for confirming the bishop's participation, this is factually very difficult to determine. Now, one example on reporting on this, I, as I mentioned in my article, immediately following the consecration last Friday, Catholic news agency reported that, quote, every U.S. diocese participated in one form or another. And then I think in a, a related, a linked article, they show evidence for, you know, lots of different dioceses. I don't know if it's true that literally every U.S. diocese truly did participate. You know, and that would take a some extensive research to confirm, to verify that. Um, but nevertheless, as I say in my article, Sister Lucia was clear on this point, emphasizing multiple times over a period of more than 40 years that the bishops must participate in union with the Pope. I mean, that was why, for example, after the 1982, as well as the 1984 consecrations uh, done by John Paul II, she explicitly said, no, this does not fulfill the will of heaven. 
because of the lack of participation of the bishops, as well as Russia not being named. Yeah, I wanted to, um, yeah, I've got the list of bishops. I mean, it is quite, quite extensive. Uh, it does not, the least the things that, um, the things that, uh, the bishops that were confirmed by LifeSite and others. Right. I had, um, the Greek and Latin Rite bishops of Ukraine, the Latin bishops of Latin America, which is CELAM, England, yes. Wales, Philippines, Spain, which is SEC, Europe, both COMECE and CCEE, two bishops' conference organizations, Slovakia, Nicaragua, Kazakhstan, Australia, Poland, Ireland, and then Bishop Brisland of South Africa. And that's, that's all of the ones that I had at the time of my article a uh, few days before the consecration. And there may have been more that checked in since that time, but right. certainly a, a good, uh, a good chunk. <laughs> um, oh, uh, my, my Ukrainian Catholic brother in uh, Manitoba says CCCB in Canada as well. So he said uh, all bishops of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic church worldwide participated. Um so, so that's good news. And well, I mean, we'll just have to continue following that and hopefully more will continue to, to report that they did participate, but it's just going to take some time to figure that out, you know, to ascertain and verify the facts and all that, mm -hmm. because the Pope didn't do essentially what Father Gruner suggested of, you know, you either do this or you're excommunicated latte sentencia. Right. Um, and there's no, there was no formal process put in place beforehand to, to confirm participation on the part of the bishops. So it makes it mm -hmm. difficult. Yeah. So let's talk about number five. Uh, public ceremony must involve a conspicuous day of prayer and worldwide reparation. So yes. what do you, what do you think of the repertory nature of this consecration and event? It was at a, a service of penance. That yes, was that was uh, a part of the penance service. I'm not sure what the nature of the service was. I know we had a Rome correspondent, Vincenzo Rendazzo, in Rome, and they okay. had St. Peter's Basilica set up with a bunch of confessionals uh, in the square, St. Peter's Square. So they right. had all the faithful there in the square with confessionals. Uh, our, my guy went to confession. Um, I know I'm not sure if that inside St. Peter's Basilica, they had like stations or something. I'm not sure what service exactly it was, but I what are your it, thoughts on that part? Yeah. So as far as what the service was, my understanding based on the Vatican's March 15th announcement of the consecration, that it was, it was already something that was scheduled. It was basically like a, a, a pre an already scheduled Lenten penance service where they were going to be offering confession because this is what the original announcement said on March 15th, quote, on Friday, March 25th, during the celebration of penance at which he will preside at 1700 hours in St. Peter's Basilica, Pope Francis will consecrate Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And then the, the official communique goes on. The same act on the same day will be carried out in Fatima by His Eminence Cardinal Krajewski, Apostolic Almoner, as envoy of the Holy Father. And just as a plug for CFN, we do we had someone uh, a contact in Fatima who attended that ceremony in Fatima, and hopefully we're going to be getting him on soon. Uh, we originally had planned to interview him the day of the consecration, but there was a miscommunication that didn't end up happening. But we are hoping to still get his report on what transpired in Fatima. So 
stay tuned to Catholic Family News YouTube channel. We're also on Rumble for that uh, interview, hopefully coming soon. Excellent. Okay. So we definitely had some penance. Um, there's uh, my friend Anthony's in the chat. He says the penitential language was also really good. Uh, now, yes, there, there was certainly some penitential language. It sort of reminded me what what Vigano actually in his most recent comments a couple weeks ago, before mm -hmm. this even was happening, he quoted Pius Twelfth at the outbreak of sec the Second World War. And he, he Pius Twelfth was was speaking about the violation of rights between nations and trying to restore those to bring peace. Um, so it kind of reminded me of that a little bit because it was it seemed like the language was a little bit more diplomatic in terms of speaking to the world powers about war and peace, uh, right. which there is a criticism there, as you as you noted earlier, that there is a, a lack of talk of sin, hell uh reparation to the immaculate heart of mary so what are your thoughts on the, the penitential language or lack thereof in the actual consecration formula yeah so just pointing folks back again to my article um as i say the act of consecration um the text of it anyway <clears throat> it's i mean my assessment is that it contain, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag, like like with many things with Pope Francis. There, it does contain some traditional Marian invocations and pious appeals. Uh, for example, imploring that through Our Lady's intercession, quote, God's mercy may be poured out on the earth and the gentle rhythm of peace re return to mark our days. But as I also observe in my article, um, it's definitely contain <clears throat> excuse me contains clear allusions to several hallmarks of the francis pontificate clear allusions for example to laudato c his 2015 eco encyclical his 2020 encyclical fratelli tutti on fraternity and social friendship which of course itself was inspired by the heterodox document on human fraternity so there are some very there are some real problems with the act of consecration text in my problem. I don't I don't know if they're necessarily enough to nullify the crucial text, uh, which we've gone over a couple times during this show about, you know, the actual act of consecrating ourselves, the church, and all humanity, especially Russia and Ukraine. That's still there, and he did say those words, but I think it could have had more of a penitential and reparatory. Um, component than it did that's my personal opinion mm -hmm. well yes uh and i i think that's that's reasonable um just highlighting some of the maybe some good points of this formula here um we have betrayed uh let's see we grew we we meaning the nations who are at war right. and everyone we grew sick with greed we thought only of our nations and their interests we grew indifferent and caught up in our selfish needs and concerns we chose to ignore god to sat be satisfied with our illusions, to grow arrogant and aggressive, to suppress innocent lives, and to stockpile weapons. Um, I, I do like some of that language there. I think it's it's good, you know, speaking of greed, innocent lives, ignoring God and illusions. Uh, it sounds like the Great Reset or something. Yeah. Um, so there, there's, I think there's a few good phrases in that. Um, and uh, I, I did like the part about Our Lady softening hardened hearts right. um there's a there's a eastern devotion to the theotoko softener of evil hearts oh, um, okay. 
and so it's it's certainly a very i think that's a very beautiful and penitential invocation of our lady right. um so yeah it's like you said we there's could have been better it could have been worse yeah. you know yeah all right so um yeah so well um we kind of i mean i guess to kind of if we're getting close to the end here and maybe want to start wrapping up um as I observe in my article, you know, our Lord tells us in the gospel and my superior at CFN, Dr. Brian McCall and others have made this observation as well regarding this consecration. Our Lord says, by their fruits, you shall know them. And in that, you know, in the context of Matthew chapter seven, he's obvious our Lord's speaking about discerning between true and false shepherds. But I think it's fair to say that this same principle can be applied to human acts in general, and whether or not they conform to God's will, including the recent consecration performed by Pope Francis and a good number of, of Catholic bishops around the world. So I ask rhetorically, you know, what is the fruit for which we should look? And Our Lady herself has told us, quote, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me and she shall be converted. That's the first fruit that we need to look for, the conversion of Russia, which means a, a return to Catholic unity. This is what uh, the official Fatima archivist for over 16 years wrote in his book, which was written in Spanish, published in 1976, called La Verdad Sobre el Secreto de Fatima, which means the truth about the secret of Fatima. And this is quoted by a, a confrere of Frere Michel in his book, um, Fatima, Intimate Joy, World Event. It's the fourth volume in that series by Frere Francois de Marie de Agnes. He says, quote, and this is father, it's a translation of uh, Father Alonso's text. Lucy has always thought that the conversion of Russia does not extend only to a return of the Russian people to the Christian Orthodox religion while rejecting the Marxist atheism of the Soviets, but that it refers simply and fully to the total and integral conversion by a return to the unique and true Roman Catholic Church, end quote. So it's not simply a breakup of the Soviet Union or a return to schism. It is Catholic unity that Our Lady means when she uses the word conversion. It doesn't mean that the Russian people have to be Roman right Catholic. I mean, most likely that will not happen. They would remain Eastern right and maintain their Byzantine Slavonic liturgical patrimony, which would be appropriate for them to do. But they do have to be in union with Rome. So that's the first fruit that we have to look for. Uh, and secondly, it is the period of peace that Our Lady promised, which seems to correspond, as I said at the beginning, uh, to what many saints and mystics have referred to as the age of Mary or the reign of Mary, uh, which ushers in the, the, you know, more fully ushers in the social kingship of Christ and all of that, all of that kind of thing. Excellent. Okay, so we're looking for the fruits of the conversion of Russia as a nation, and I think that also brings up sort of the the moral the moral majority, if you will, or like the moral union, because obviously when a nation converts, not everybody there is you know absolutely pious, but right, there is right. a there is a general recognition among the general populace. Like I mean, even today, 
Russia is Russian Orthodox, but that doesn't mean everybody attends divine liturgy in Russia or anything like that. So um, we just need to be. We're talking uh, about a moral unanimity. Yes. Not literally uh, every single person. I mean, and to me, having studied um, Eastern Western divisions and I was Eastern Orthodox for a time myself, I certainly would consider if Russia came into communion with Rome, and even if it took 50 years, to me, that would be really miraculous because this is a, even if it was 50 years, because this is a schism that has been rooted deep in the consciousness of many people in Russia for centuries. Right. And so it is yeah, really well, a, and well before communism as well as an yes. important point, even, you know, Russia historically has been very anti anti Western and anti Catholic uh, for centuries before the communist revolution, that was part and parcel with czarist Russia was being anti-Catholic and being anti-Western. Yes. So, so I, I wanted to end with this comment from, uh, Dr. Mika Hickson. She had a really great comment on Twitter, which I'm going to pull up here. And she said this, uh, she said, I do not think this issue as to whether, whether the consecration is valid or invalid. She says, I do not think this issue should divide us. We all know that we will have to see the fruits, as you're saying. Yes. We are tentative. We hope and trust in Our Lady. If no fruits are coming, we will press ahead, no doubt. Who can make, I think this is the key key point she makes here. Yes. Who can make authoritative judgments here but God himself? And I, I think that's-, that's Amen the, to that. I think that's the really good point here because obviously everybody, we can have our own opinion. So what we're going to have at one Peter five next week, we're going to have two different articles. One of them will argue that the consecration was valid. The other one will argue that the consecration is invalid. So we'll try to get, get the best arguments on both sides. Uh, But ultimately, yeah, who, who can give the, the ultimate judgment here, but God himself. And, and uh, we're kind of just, we need to, ultimately stay faithful to completing the first Saturdays. Yes, uh, which is coming up this weekend. Yeah, this yeah. this coming Saturday is a first Saturday. Um, another thing is that if you've already done the first Saturdays, why not continue to do them and offer them up for those right. who do not? Um, exactly. Pray your daily rosary. Uh, pray more than one daily rosary. Pray double on Saturday or Sunday or something and offer that up for those who haven't done it. And so we need to do our part and then we need to leave the rest to God and, and hope for the best, prepare for the worst. So any final thoughts for us, Matt? Thanks so much for your analysis today. Oh, you're very welcome. I appreciate the invitation. It's always a, a delight to talk with you, Timothy, and hopefully we can do it again sometime in the future. I don't know if I have any uh, anything else really to add, just that, you know, as our Lord said, by your fruits, you shall know them. So if the fruit of the conversion of Russia and the period of peace, if we see that, you know, becoming manifest in the relatively near future, you know, in God's, from God's perspective, months to years is what I said in my article. We don't know how long, but I think there, it can't be such a long period that there's a disconnect between the act of consecration and the fruits. So I think it has to be, you know, within living memory of course certainly i think we Mm -hmm. can agree on that so within a couple generations at least um so as i said if you know if these fruits fail to manifest in the relatively near future we will know that god and our lady still await the consecration which will finally yield those miraculous fruits so 
you know, we have to wait and see basically. Excellent. And, and as I ended my article, I say, we should all be heeding our Lord's instructions on the Holy Thursday evening when he told the apostles to watch and pray. So that's what we need to be doing. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Matt. Uh, we'll stay tuned to one Peter five. We'll have a, uh, article tomorrow with how to do the first Saturdays one one. Uh, the, the, there'll also be a video that we'll link to over at the Kennedy Report. That's our contributing editor, also a contributor to Catholic Family News, Kennedy Hall. He has his own YouTube channel, and he's going to do kind of a first Saturdays 101. If you've never done it before, lots of tips and tricks and practical wisdom about that uh, as to how to complete that. So stay tuned for that. Uh, let's close this out with a Hail Mary. I, I want to bring up the, the icon of Our Lady of Fatima in Russian. This is what we've been promoting uh, as a means to unite Catholics uh, uh, for Fatima is this. So this is the icon of Our Lady of Fatima written by a Russian Orthodox Christian. This is written in Slavonic, which is the sacred language of the Russian rite. Mm -hmm. And um, so this is what we promote. You see that uh, Our Lady is in a sort of a Byzantine style. She has the rosary. Um, and so we'll, let's pray a Hail Mary and entrust ourselves to Our Lady and leave the rest to God. Name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus Amen. is King.